92.7 WFNZ. We are doing live sports radio during a big-time sporting event. The Daytona 500 is underway. Smoke, who's leading this year race right now? It's between the Penske guys right now. Uh, when they went to break, it's between Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney. Going two-by-two two right now. Basically, a lot of guys trying to preserve fuel because it's close to the window to end stage one. So, uh, basically, it's kind of a game of chicken right now. And especially after the wreck that happened early, I think the guys are going to be a little bit more safer. Love it. All right. Uh, yeah, I like what you just said there. By the way, been a busy show so far. We've chatted with Hunter Bailey, covers the 49ers and the uh, Charlotte Hornets. We talked to Mike Salk out in Seattle and uh, talked about his theory that the Seahawks should be trading DK Metcalf. We wondered if Carolina should be a potential you know, destination if they decided to do that. Got to Dave Canales a bit as well. And I, I did at the ripe old age of 38, go full old man yelling at the clouds about how bad the NBA All-Star game is. And I don't say it, I, I, I'm fully acknowledging that I'm aging. I'm fully acknowledging that, you know, there, there's an element of, OKB's oh, getting older, things change. I don't like the same, things change. Okay, that's the point. But the players are saying they won't compete. Anthony Edwards says, yeah, this is like a break for us. We're probably just not going to compete in this thing. So I think it's time to scrap the NBA All-Star game. Replace it with the in-season tournament. Something. Because when you put money on the line, those guys played. But last night, nearly 400 points in the NBA All-Star game. It's unwatchable. Now let's bring in a man who may or may not have a take on that. But he's always got spicy hot takes on ACC hoops and other things. Joe Ovius, Triangle Media Influencer. The Ovius and Gilio podcast. They make great merch. I've seen it online. He's back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. What's up, Joe Ovius? How you been? BreakingT.com slash OG. Go get your throwback merch right now. I'm actually doing my best Daytona 500 impression being a spotter for my 15-year-old on a learner's permit on I-95. We managed that terrible stretch of I-95 through Florence as we're coming back from Charleston, South Carolina for a hockey trip. So if you hear me yelling like, hey, man, get over, turn signal, blah, 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 that's why. Where, where do you play it? Like the North Charleston Civic Center? Where do you play? Yeah, it was uh, it was the uh, the Ice Palace there in North Charleston. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, a bunch of. Uh, in fact, uh, I I saw I saw Bill Rosinski there uh, because uh, his grandkid plays for one of the Charlotte area uh, youth hockey squads. Caught up with him for a little bit. And, uh, yeah, man, it's always a good time watching junior hockey. No, it's a great spot. I know it well. All right, good, man. It's, it's good to have you back here. Um I mean, do you want to weigh in on the NBA All-Star Game, or should we move on to the ACC? Uh, I'll say this about the All-Star Game, because I know this is this has been a thing that you've railed against in the past. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's Anchorman. We've been coming to the same party yes, uh, yes. year after year. And Acknowledged. No way that's depressing. Acknowledged. You don't, have to, you don't have to watch it. You know that, right? No, you're right. I don't. And um, and I started last night just not watching it. You're right. That is my new MO moving forward. I, yeah. I can't but wait for the whole... You don't have to watch it. No. no you don't I, have to watch I, it on nights where I know there's not something on that I need to watch or I don't care to watch. I've actually started to watch The Sopranos for the first time ever. Ever? Uh, I figured I, f- I figured 25 years after it debuted, I'd finally get around to The Sopranos. That's what I'm doing right now. Good for you. That, it's a great choice. But can I just say the one thing? Because you're right. I'm acknowledging all of it, Joe. I'm acknowledging that I'm getting older, that things change, yeah. that you know I age out of things. Like I, I am trying to be at least acknowledging that you know I understand what's happening here. But man, when you grew up on it like we did, and you saw it, like we have verifiable evidence that, hey, Stefan Marbury and AI, MJ and Kobe, Kobe and LeBron, like these guys used to go at it in the NBA All Star game, and now you know players are outright saying, yeah, we we just we're not going to compete. We, this is like a vacation for us. I, I mean, shouldn't they scrap it at this point? 
Um, yeah, they, they should probably scrap all sorts of all-star events. The all-star, all-star events are kind of weird for me because they're good for the cities, right? Um, you know, when Charlotte has an all-star event, it's a party, right? You got right. people in town, it, it's a big, you know, it's putting your city on. When Raleigh hosted the NHL all-star game back in, what, 2010 or 2011, um, that was, again, same thing. You know, it's, it's putting on for the city. Slow down. You got it's this, you got a speed limit of, where are we now? 60, so slow down, please. Anyway, so um, I wasn't kidding, guys. Anyway, awesome. This is so awesome. So, so the thing is, if you look at it from the perspective of what is the all-star game for, you just kind of nailed on it. You, you were a kid, and you enjoyed it. And if you were super into the sport as a kid, this was your one opportunity to see all your favorite players or recognizable players yep. in one place. Cool. And you, you just left it at that. After that, we sort of romanticize what these events are. I think the baseball all-star game is the same way too. When I was a kid, I was very into baseball and I always wanted to go to all-star game because I thought it was unique to see everybody on the same field at once. But then I got older and priorities change. But as long as the kids still like it, then that's all that matters. You know, when we hosted, we're a year removed from Carter Finley stadium, hosting the stadium series game, right? That's actually the direction that a lot of these pro sports should be going in that you should be doing something different with the event. So I like your idea of the in-season tournament, not necessarily because of the money, but you have to put some stakes on the line. Or it's something that's so novel and unique that you're bringing a bunch of people there for the spectacle of it. And I think the All-Star game, they thought that the spectacle was going to be an LED court, right? Not going to lie. That that was kind of cool to see, you know, a a glowing ball for the slam dunk contest. You know, Steph Curry, and I used to... I, I, I can't pronounce her name. I always... Mess up her name. Sabrina Ionescu. Ionescu, thank you. Like, that's cool, right? Those are the things that probably should be focused on. The game itself has to be rethought. And that, that's the same. You could be you could say that about the NHL, Major League Baseball, NFL, and the NBA. It's not just the NBA. I, I'm with you. And I'm, I'm, I appreciate you commenting on that. But I also wanted to set it up because I think there's something else Adam Silver said that uh, I really want to know your thoughts on. You probably know what I'm getting to here. Adam Silver said over the weekend that uh, because of NIL and college basketball, that the days of G League Ignite may be numbered. He said basically that NIL and college athletics may have solved the issue they were looking to address. And he's basically looking at college basketball and saying, well, hey, if you guys are going to pay them, then I guess we don't need to do anything. No, no, he's absolutely right. And, you know, it's probably better for the NBA and it's better for college basketball if players stick around longer like they do in college football. Now, I don't want to get into the merits of whether this is good or bad and players should have the right to go directly to the NBA or players should have the right to go directly to the NFL. I'm looking at this strictly from the lens of what is good for business, okay? What is good for your sport and your league? The NFL has it figured out with a glorified minor league in college football because you've seen quarterbacks for a couple years. There's enough tape. There's enough notoriety so that when it gets to draft season, what are we doing for three months? Right, we're talking about we're hope trafficking, and that's you know that that that's going to keep things going throughout the off season. You know, once players are going directly to the NBA, they, we didn't know what the product was, and not everybody's LeBron James. Okay, not everybody is Victor Wembanyama who can just kind of come out and be the spectacle. So it'd be good if players stuck around for a couple years, you know, win a tournament, make their name in the NCAA tournament, like Steph Curry did, right, and then they can go to the NBA. As, a, as an established guy. You know, I think it happened in Charlotte, right? Not that I spend that much time thinking about the Hornets, but, like, it was weird. In college, 
Brandon Miller was a known commodity who played in high-stakes games, yet Charlotte Hornets fans didn't want him mm-hmm. because it was a known thing. I'm sorry, but I would rather take a player who has played in high-stakes events, high-stakes rivalry games. I would rather take somebody that goes through Duke and Carolina and plays in those environments than somebody that never really did. And that's the one thing about the G League Ignite, Overtime Elite. There's no stakes. It's a content farm. They're there to create Instagram reels. They're there to create TikToks. That's all it is. And if you read any story or look at any feature of guys who have gone through that, it's really not about basketball. I mean, it's fine. I mean, it is what it is. It's about your brand. But if you want to be about basketball, college still is the best place to do it. And honestly, if you let's put yourself back in that situation. Let's, let's say you're 16, 17 years old, Kyle. Would you rather be the big dog on campus like a Jared McCain at Duke or Zion when he was the thing at Duke a few years ago? Or look at Armando Baycott. He's in a much better situation now. Rather than toiling away in Europe or toiling away on a G League squad, he's the big man on campus at Carolina making money. So I think it's better for everybody in this situation and probably better for the NBA that they do stick to college. Couldn't agree more. Joe Ovius, Ovius and Gilio podcast, Triangle Media Influencer with us. As he uh, chaperones his son, they're driving right now with a learner's permit, and it's uh, it's awesome radio. It's, it's life or death stuff here on the radio right now with Joe Ovius. Um, bigger win on Saturday, Duke in Tallahassee or Carolina holding off Virginia Tech? Ooh, man. Um, yeah, man. Ah, man. This, I don't really know what to make of either team right now. Yep. So let's, let's look at these two teams individually, and then we can get to the answer. Uh, I, think, I think Carolina's slump, Caleb, you can speed up. You're going way below the speed limit now. So let's go, what are we at now? Yeah, we're at, okay, keep it at 70. And that means ups and downs, it's fine. It's fine. He's learning. You're good, Caleb. Just relax, my guy. Just relax, do your best. Yeah, and he's actually learning about being distracted while driving while he's got his dad yelling next to him. It's a good lesson. uh, in In my little Honda Civic. Anyway, so here's the thing about Carolina. I did not make a big deal out of them losing three of their last five games going to that Virginia Tech game. Uh, because every single one of those games could be explained, right? You know, in the, in the loss of Georgia Tech, they didn't make free throws. Uh, free throw awareness month started early for the Tar Heels. They missed half their free throws, and it still came down to a final two-shot sequence where Georgia Tech's guy made the circus shot, and R.J. Davis wasn't able to do it, right? And then you got the Duke game, which everybody, you know, including me, went, all right, clearly you are the top dog in the ACC. The Clemson loss was a classic hangover. Armando Bacot, to his credit, called his own team out for not having good practice on Monday, showing up late on Tuesday ahead of that game, and Clemson being hungry for an NCAA tournament bid. They needed a win like that. They took advantage of the hangover. You then follow it up with the loss to Syracuse. When you go look at the statistical anomaly of what Syracuse did in that game, where they shot at like 60-plus percent, something that hadn't been done since 1997 when Dean Smith retired, all right? So these are things that I think can be explained. I think there's way too much college football vacation when it comes to college basketball, where we're looking at every game as some sort of referendum as to whether this team is good or not. It's a long season, man. With college kids, you're going to have some ups and downs. The only thing I would caution about the win against Virginia Tech, yes, Armando Baycock got fed the ball. Yes, they dropped 90-some-odd points. But this Carolina team, identity is defense. And I don't, the one concern I would have them is that they have not consistently played to the level of defense we know they are capable of. Now, is that us 
overvaluing their defense. And now we've seen this kind of regression to the mean that we saw earlier in the year, right, when they had to beat Tennessee with 100 points. I don't know. I think that remains to be seen. Now, Duke. Duke's tough, man. Duke's tough to talk about. Caleb, 70. You're going 60. Come on, 70. Anyway, Duke's (laughs) tough to talk about because they have not had a complete team like all year, man. Tyrese Proctor's out in concussion protocol. Uh, I don't know Kyle Filipowski's total health coming off an off-season hip surgery. He's constantly nursing his ankle. He's powering through something that I'm sure we'll find out about later in the off-season, right? Uh, so they've not had a complete team yet. They're finding kind of like grimy, slug-it-out kind of games to win. It's not pretty, but I do think that the way they've been getting through this uh, stretch of games, having lost to North Carolina – has actually benefited them, and you've seen the freshmen truly step up and shine like Jared McCain. Joe Giglio, my co-host, likes to talk about who's the bus driver, right? We always thought that Kyle Filipowski was that guy. Kyle Filipowski has not consistently been that guy. But if Jared McCain can take over the way he's done the last four games and then Tyrese Proctor can come in and really hold it down defensively, I do like Duke's chances, and I'm really, really curious to see when they get Carolina again at the end of the season at Cameron Indoor. All right, now, given that the ESPN uh, Industrial Complex would like to keep as many ACC teams out of this tournament as possible, uh, and we assume it's a two-bid league, did NC State's win over Clemson? <laughs> I'm sorry. Did NC State's win over Clemson on Saturday? What did it do to further State's tournament odds? I mean, it just – it didn't completely gut their chances, right? Like, with, with, with State, man – it's a game to game. Like, I've given up trying to make large proclamations about the Wolfpack. I really have. You know, uh, earlier this season when they beat Wake Forest and, and, and at home and Kevin Keats was talking about how he was tired of this blank and he wants some respect. Nobody's talking about this team. Look at their record in the ACC. And then what they, what they do after that, right? They, they just kind of sputtered along. So I, I'm done making proclamations about the Wolfpack. It's a game-by-game basis for them. They got a they got a up and down Syracuse team on Tuesday at PNC Arena. And I think that's probably the frustration with state fans is that there's nothing about this Wolfpack squad year to year that separates them from the glut of teams in the ACC, right? Um, and state fans want more than that. They, they, and I don't blame them for wanting more than that. I really don't. Um, so I wish Kevin Keats could just find more consistency with his program year in, year out, and health game to game, man. But when you live up, when you live at the transfer portal, and by the way, Steve Forbes deals with this a little bit at Wake Forest as well. When you live at the transfer portal like they do, um, you, you you have to find a different hook. And unfortunately, Princeton State they just don't have that different hook, and it's frustrating, State fans. All right, I'm going to let you get back to being a good dad, and uh, good luck and Godspeed. We're going to have you back soon to talk some Canes hockey, brother. Tell Caleb beautifully done. Yeah, I can tell you what. Usually, when I'm driving, I like to see the Google Map distance, uh, the time to uh, the time to target. You know, get shorter and shorter because I make it up on that speed. Yep. Yeah, it's actually got slower than that. So that's all, you know I what? Think we've we've added time, but that's fine. He's driving safe. That's hey, all that matters. Well done. I want him to hear this, Caleb. Well done. Well done, my man. Yeah. Kyle says good job. All right, I love it. Joe Ovius, way to be a good he dad. Appreciate. We'll talk to you all soon. Right, later, man. There you go, Joe Ovius, Ovius and Julio podcast, Triangle Media influencer, Mo- mostly covers ACC hoops. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Somebody said, this is great radio. I'm literally sitting in my car right now to see what this kid does. <laughs> Geechee P says, gotcha, with the teenage driver. This is what I have to look forward to in a few weeks. Yikes. I mean, look, if, you, if, if it sounds like, listen, Joe had to tell him to speed up, not slow down. So how bad could things be over there, right? 
Not that bad. 704-570-9610. We'll come back. We'll get you a Daytona update. We'll catch you up on the latest. Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Join the Mac and Bone Show Tuesday. Mac is back, and we're all happy about it. Right, guys? Yeah! All right. Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. I know for sure we left off on a great note. Um, you know, we're just going to keep building off those three wins um, and just, you know, hopefully bring, you know, a great culture and great atmosphere to Charlotte. Now, I think my, my main goal is to win. Um, win with Charlotte. Um, just win the playoffs, you know. And, uh, you know, like I said, bring back the bring, – bring some uh, – a great atmosphere to Spectrum Center. Brandon Miller, who went scoreless in the NBA Rising Stars game, but does that matter? I'm – I know we would have liked to preferred like some points. We would have preferred some points, and you know nobody wanted to see a goose egg out there. But smoke, how how horrified were you that Brandon Miller didn't score in the Rising Suns game, the Rising Stars game? Sorry, um, not at not all. Not at all. Guess what? It's a different Rising Stars format than it has been. Yeah. It, yes. There's so that. I, I can't really it's like. Oh no. Like, this is also a guy who was declared a bust by his own fan base during summer league. Yeah, summer league. So, something tells me the way this guy's wired. If they, if nobody else is taking it seriously, he's he's definitely not. You know what I mean? That's what that's what I get when I watch Brandon Miller. But that, that Victor was chucking up all the shots. That too. That too. Um, that was again Brandon Miller saying that he intends to win. He wants to win, and he wants to do it in Charlotte. And some people latched onto that and said, "Oh my God, what a great soundbite from such a great new player, young player who takes this all so seriously." And others said. Well, what else is he supposed to say, right? So it, it's it's in between. But it was nice to hear from Brandon Miller. He was a rising star. Uh, good to see that recognition. But it was overall part of an NBA All-Star weekend that you know a lot of folks are, are very critical of today, including one of the, the NBA's biggest broadcast partners, ESPN, and a guy who's possibly even you know bigger than the brand at this point, Stephen A. Smith, who, like me, said earlier this morning that he thinks the NBA needs to scrap the All-Star game. This is the ultimate indictment against the NBA stars who show up on NBA All-Star Weekend. You play harder in the summer league when you're training. That's all anybody's asking. We all know that when you're playing in the summertime and stuff like that, ain't nobody trying to get hurt. But you still give one another effort because you're working on your game. You can give the fans at least that. Nobody's asking you to compete like you're going up against the playoffs or even a regular season game. But when you are working out at summertime, Shannon, you know this, okay? You see guys giving effort in the summertime. That's all I'm saying. To that degree, that is not hard. The fact that you will go out there and flagrantly show such a lack of effort on the defensive side of the ball in any capacity is is just a travesty. There you go. Stephen A. Smith this morning. And I, I don't want to harp on it. We, we spent plenty of time on it to start the show. And I understand, like Joe Ovia said, KB, you know you don't have to watch it, right? And I don't. But, like, there's still part of me that wants to. And then I turn it on, and I see 400 points. And I see one of the league's biggest young stars, Anthony Edwards, just telling you, no, we're not going to try. We This is... It's a, it's a vacation. We're Literally not shooting left-handed. Well, he said he was going to shoot left-handed all weekend. Like, why? Well, I can't wait to see the, the ratings for this thing and, and what those look like. Last year was by far the worst ratings in the history of the NBA All-Star game. Uh, might they improve a little bit? I guess. But it's a far cry from what it used to be. The league has not had 10 million or more people watch that game since Michael Jordan's last NBA All-Star game in 2003, I believe. I think one it, in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, in 2000, that was the last NBA All-Star game. To draw 10 million viewers or more. Last year was like 4.2. Uh, I don't know what this year looks like, but listen, I, I know Charlotte is not New York, LA, Chicago in terms of 
prestige, right, and things to do. And it's not a top five media market. But, you know, Charlotte's also you're in Indianapolis in February on top of it, which I don't think makes really, really helps matters. Indianapolis is a fine city. There's nothing wrong with it. But it's a cold upper Midwest city that these players are going to to an event that they already don't really want to be taking the time to go to in the middle of the season when everybody else is taking a vacation and they're off to Indianapolis. And then you get that kind of effort. Stephen A. Smith is right. So many others are too. I mean, Adam Silver's looking at this thing last. Did you see his what he said in the postgame, uh, what you call it, the trophy presentation? Yeah, he basically had a giant pause of, well, yeah, it's like, he well, set a record. <laughs> That's all I could say. That's all he could say. It's like, well, to the Eastern Conference All-Stars, well, you scored the most points. Congratulations. Like, even he knows it's bad. The most interesting thing to come out of this weekend, by the way, was what he said about NIL. Wasn't it? I mean, the thing, Adam Silver this weekend basically admitted, hey, um, we're not sure if the G League Ignite is going to be a thing any longer because uh, we thought we were addressing, you know, a void in the marketplace, a hole in the marketplace that we thought we were filling before doing that. And, well, now that these players in college are getting NIL, um, I don't think we need this anymore. So I, you, I think you could see the G League Ignite die a pretty quick and quiet death. And I think compared, like, for as much as college basketball has maybe taken a hit and it's not as popular nationwide as it has been, I think people will still have more opinions and there'll be more conversations surrounding the NBA draft if a lot of these G League guys at least stayed one year in college. Guess, hey, this is a big thing, too, because guess what's actually going to happen? The draft is now going to be two days long for some reason. Yeah. So, you know, might as well want to get some of these guys to be more recognizable, even you know, for some of the casual fans by the time the NBA draft rolls around. I think it overall helps the game. We, we need to get back. I think we honestly need to get back to a place where, you know, these guys are staying in college basketball. They can make their money in NIL. You can have some consistency, continuity, and roster year to year. Guys are still going to hit the portal. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, you've got to get to back to a point where college basketball is more popular outside of just the tournament. Maybe maybe they can get back there. Maybe they can't. But you got to try. I think you have to try. By the way, 704 number says, we're becoming a society who increasingly only pays attention to the NFL. Everything else is becoming niche. And then I guess you should go niche. I felt, I felt fancy. Um, but, it's, you know, everything else is a niche sport outside of the NFL. I mean, you look at the ratings. You look at the... I would do people agree with that? 704-570-9610. Are we becoming a society that only pays attention to the NFL and everything else has become a niche sport? Is that true? In some ways, yes, especially if you don't have a market. Like for us, we don't have an MLB team in the market. I mean the Braves, but you get what I'm saying. I think it's basically there's the NFL's on its own level now. Of course it is. They just got 124 yeah. million viewers for the Super Bowl. And it's making anything that the NBA does and the MLB does look like very small in comparison. Essentially, the NFL's made every other sport look like Muggsy Bogues while every while they're Gal Ming. Yeah, that's if true. You catch my dream. No, like, no, you're right. You're right. I, I, I think the NBA has hit a lull in some cases by the fact that you know the the cap is stagnating, if not dropping a little bit this offseason. And that's partially due to not having a long-term TV deal that they're trying to negotiate right now. But I, I think the, the the NBA peaked in 2016-2017 when they had a giant cap, a cap spike. And now they're kind of, I, I think that has resulted into the stagnation of what it's been the last year or two, maybe globally. Yeah, 704-570-9610, a lifelong rule hater. we got to change your name, boss. Rule's gone. 
Uh, says, lifelong rule hater, if I want to watch a game like last night's All-Star game, I'll watch the Harlem Globetrotters. Uh, <laughs> uh, if Jobby Joe says, if that's based on the All-Star game, I don't think anyone is watching the Pro Bowl either. Well, they, they aren't, but also the Pro Bowl's effectively gone now, right? It's more of a skills competition, tug of war, stuff like that, which, you know, some people still do find interesting, but at least the NFL reacted to it. Like, the NFL pretty much caught on quickly, hey, this has become... Um, you know, an obsolete event that fans are telling us they don't really care about. And so we got to change it. Now that that's what the NBA needs to do here too. It's a long season. They had some success with the end season tournament. I said earlier, maybe you just, you know, make the, uh, the, the in season tournament finale, the championship game, let's say the, the make that all-star weekend with some auxiliary events around it. May, uh, that's it. Like outside of baseball, maybe hockey still, I think hockey fans still like their all-star weekend is my understanding. I'm not a big, I'm not a huge hockey fan, but I, I think they still largely like their all-star weekend. Baseball's all-star game, guys are still competing. I mean, think about this. 4.2 million people tuned in to watch all-star Saturday night this, this past Saturday, right? 4.2, 4.3. Double that tunes in to watch the, all, the home run derby. The home run derby. I, I, it, I don't think it's quite, I don't know if it's exactly double, but it's pretty close to double hey, that. Just home, the, all, the home run derby. Home run derby's gotten better since they put the clock on it. Because it used to be just like, all right, I missed that pitch, that pitch, that pitch, that pitch. All right, and there's a hit. Oh, out. Out one. Yeah. And it'd be like 20 minutes per batter. Let's go to the phone lines real quick. Tim wants to talk for a second. Tim, what's going on, brother? How are you? Hey, Kyle. I uh, just got to tell you, I kind of thought the same thing, that uh, not many people were interested in other sports. But I went down to uh, Columbia for the Gamecocks versus LSU basketball game. <clears throat> Yeah, and uh, it was wild. That arena was packed. It was very loud. It was on. I was I was impressed, and I'm an LSU guy. I live in Charlotte, but uh, I just wanted to go see my Tigers. But man, I tell you, that place was rocking. I was I, very impressed. I, I believe it, and they've like I don't know. Is there anything smoke? Have you seen any reporting on Lamont Paris and Ohio State? I mean, obviously there was something immediate, but. What I'm saying is that between Dawn Staley and the women and the season that Lamont Paris and the, 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 the Gamecocks men's program are having, I mean, they, they're fostering a pretty good college basketball atmosphere down there already. And South Carolina's in the midst of a pretty historic season. So I don't doubt that. I, I bet that I bet that atmosphere was amazing. And and I'm, if you watch women's basketball, of course, I'm a LSU uh, fan, but uh, the LSU games, I mean, they are packing them in the arenas. It is amazing and it's a good watch i mean it is if you're a sports fan that is some serious good sports to watch love it hey tim thank you for the phone call brother hope you well appreciate you very much 704-570-9610 uh hit us up smoke is over there enthralled with the daytona 500 which was postponed yesterday but the green flag dropped about an hour ago uh, we are in stage one, still three laps to go here in stage one, Smokey. What are we looking at? What's well, going on? David Reagan and Ryan Priest are the leaders, but they are far ahead, and they're being catched by the draft due to the pit cycle. Kyle Busch is leading that pack right now, and uh, they're engulfing them now. So, yeah, David Reagan and Ryan Priest played it smart. They're getting out of the way, and then they're going to try to catch up into the draft. Stage points are up for grabs here. This has season-long impact on the line. And if Kyle Busch were to get the 10 points and a playoff point as well, that could be massive for him. So here we go. We're going to see about basically a two-lap shootout here between t 10 to 12 drivers. What happened to Blaney? Uh, so what happened was 
he took the pit stop on the same lap as his Penske teammates, but since he didn't pit during the first caution because he was up front, he had to stop for an uh, extra second and a half, and he lost a draft. Ford completely messed up this whole entire sequence on the pit, green flag pit stop cycle. Chris Buescher went down by himself, which did not help, so Ford's did not get a good start on their green flag pit stops, which is weird, Kyle, because you're usually on point. It's usually the Chevrolets and Toyotas that mess up. Ford has been dominant on the super speedways over the past five to ten years. How about that? All right, uh, I saw Michael McDowell currently sitting 35th. Randy's prediction's not looking so good right now. It's it's early. It's early. And plus, pit strategies completely messed things up as now Kyle Larson's going to the outside with his convoy of Alex Bowman trying to get the stage win with about a lap and a half to go. Mm, there you go. So Daytona 500 update for you. And uh, right now, there's we got a bush in the lead. Bush, Byron, Elliott, Larson, and uh, who is it? Bowman. That's your top five right now with two laps to go in stage one of the Daytona 500. What, what's, what, what are you doing? Chase just took the lead. Chase did just take yep, the lead. Yeah, and he's got his Hendrick teammates with him. Oh, Kyle Chase, Bush is outnumbered. Is Chase going to win this, the first stage? Yeah, well, it's a full lap to go. Oh, here we go. Now we got Chastain and Bush. Turn, turn one, they go. Sorry, I had to jump in with that. I'm fine. I'm so three car Hendrick breakaway here to end stage one. Oh, yeah, we got Elliot Lawson and Bo Larson and Bowman. How about that? The top three getting set to finish up stage one. Wow, Hendrick, if they can co complete this, Hendrick played this first stage perfectly here, which is massive for them. And by the way, this is year 40 of Hendrick Motorsports, as it looks like. Well, the turn Kyle, three they're hitting there? What do we got yeah, here? Turn three, turn four. Well, Kyle Larson could get a late push from uh, Chastain. He does. Uh-oh. Oh, wait. Here we go. Oh, oh side by side finishing at stage one. Oh. Elliot. Elliot, Chase Elliott gets stage one. <laughs> did we break any uh, broadcasting rules right yeah, there? Like Francesca did it, so we can do it. If we, that's true. If Francesca can do it, we can do it. 704-570-9610. Uh, Chase Elliott just won stage one of the Daytona 500 after being postponed yesterday. They moved to 430 today. Chase Elliott, who I believe, was it Doug Rice? Somebody last week predicted Chase to bounce all the way back when this race and the, the Cup Series title this year. Who was that? Who said that? I forget, but... I mean, it wouldn't Somebody be on the show live. I think it was Doug Rice, right? I think it might have been, yeah. How about that? All right, 704-570-9610. Uh, Richard Petty, not the real one, says, KB, ask Smoke, if Blue Chew had a sponsor of a driver, who would it be? Mark Martin. Yeah. I mean, he already had one sponsor <laughs> yeah. like that. I mean, th I mean, that car, that six car always drove very hard. Wow, Smoke. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Tar Heel Tony says, can we just have Smoke commentate for the rest of the race? I don't object to that at all. Um, their broadcast partners might, so we'll check on the rules there during the break. 704-570-9610. Kendall from Concord told me that the NBA All-Star Weekend should turn into a three-on-three -three tournament with the All-Stars. Top eight vote-getters draft their three-on-three -three teams. They got to do something. Uh, even Joe Varden's come out with a piece over at The Athletic today. And he's like, yep, the janitors at the NBA headquarters are rolling out the whiteboards, wiping them clean because they got to start over. They got to figure something out with this all-star game. Uh, this is the one time of year where we really talk about it. And I, I don't think I'm, I don't know how much of this I'm going to be doing in future years. Now that I'm absolutely hooked on love is blind Charlotte edition. Uh, that's how I'm spending my Monday nights, how I spent last night. But uh, it just is what it is. And I'm curious to see the NBA prides itself on being a forward-thinking, progressive league. Like it or love it, like it or hate it, agree with them or not, that's what the NBA, they make changes, they tweak things. I think tweaks are coming. I wouldn't be surprised if they outright scrapped the thing. Uh, they, they might be resistant to that, but I wouldn't be shocked at this point because even their broadcast partners are just hammering this game. Just get me to Thursday, right? I'm not trying to wish time away, but I'd rather start watching the Hornets again. 3-0 since the break. Give me the Hornets. I don't want to watch any more of last night. Uh, 704 570 Keep hitting us up. We go to smoke on the headlines.
What you got over there? Chase Elliott won stage one today, Daytona 500. Damn right he did. Damn right he did. By the way, Jordan Rinaldi just said, judging you a little, KB. Okay, you know what, Jordan? You cage fighter. You go watch the first, the sixth season of Love is Blind. I, I have openly mocked and insulted reality TV and dating reality TV at that my entire life. But I, I'm being completely honest with you. The train wreck that is Love is Blind, season six. It's an all Charlotte cast. I can't turn away. I literally cannot turn away from it. I, I will say about five years ago, I got into reruns of the show Next, the dating show Next, and I'm like, wow, this is completely crazy. Sometimes you just could get hooked in into it. And you don't well, I, it, I don't know that I would if it weren't the Charlotte edition. Like I have people texting in saying that they have either worked out with or know some of the cast members on Love is Blind season six. Like I had a buddy, one of our listeners, tagged me in in a in an Instagram story about this two or three weeks ago, and I literally dismissed it. Not to be rude, but I was like, I don't know anything about that show. I don't watch that show. I'm, I can't help you. And now I can't turn away. It's absolutely amazing. What else you got? All right, the Pac-12. <laughs> Pac-12. Has officially appointed Teresa Gold, that's G-O-U-L-D, as its new commissioner, replacing George Klievakov, effective March 1st. Gold will become the first woman to serve as commissioner of an... Autonomy uh, 5. Uh, autonomous? Autonomy 5. Autonomous? No, it's actually with the MY. Autonomy? 5 conference. Uh, unfortunately, it's going to be to pack 2 in a couple of months. Yeah, this feels like a move they should have made two years ago. Yeah. Right? I feel so far. Probably shouldn't have hired George Klievkoff in the, in, to begin with. So I feel so sorry for Teresa. All right, what else you got? That's it. That's it. We'll come back and wrap up the show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Join the Mac and Bone Show on Tuesday. Plenty of Daytona recap, hoops talk, and what the bleep features a man eating raw chicken every day. Huh. Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. KB and Smoke with you. Wrapping up a Monday show. We appreciate you being with us. No ordinary show. Although it's not that it's not that uncommon for us to be talking NASCAR on a Monday. Not often we do it with the Daytona 500, but uh, Chase Elliott. Matter of fact, I believe Hendrick did go 1, 2, and 3 to finish stage 1, yes? Yes, the only okay. guy that was not in there was uh, William Byron. All right, Willie B didn't make it, but uh, we went Chase Elliott. One stage 1, followed by Kyle Larson and Alex Bowman. So we're on to stage 2 of the Daytona 500. Now 71 laps to go there. Uh, they run 200 laps in this year NASCAR race, and uh, we are the crowd is phenomenal. By the way, for a Monday, I think a lot of folks understood. And if you buy tickets to the 500, you're going to want to try to stick around anyway. But you, know, you buy tickets to that race, especially after the last couple of years of NASCAR, you know that there's a strong chance that they don't race on Sunday and it gets moved to Monday. So uh, the crowd stuck around. I'm seeing some of the uh, pit footage from our friends like Carla Gebhardt, who's down there, Queen City News, covering the race. Lucky. <laughs> I mean, look, the parking lots are full. The grandstands are pretty full. It's just, infield's pretty full, too. Yeah, it is. It's it's a really cool scene here on a Monday for the Daytona 500. Kyle Larson, by the way, currently holds the lead in Stage 2. Early in Stage 2, but uh, he is currently holding the lead. By the way, we asked a question via a listener earlier as we were discussing the you know, NBA All-Star Game and, and several prominent members of the media, you know, NBA broadcast partners who were today saying, you know what, just scrap it. This game is terrible. Do something different. 
Uh, it's not worth watching. Somebody earlier said, hey, we're becoming a country where, you know, we watch the NFL and everything else is a niche sport. And I said, is that true? Do we do we think that's true? Uh, 704 number said, agree. Uh, NCAA football is the only possible sport that people care about. Reddit college football is pretty impressive on members and general interest in the sport. Uh, besides the NFL, I meant. Yeah, you're right. Um, it is college football. It's definitely college. College football just enjoyed some of the biggest ratings ever. I think college football set some big or set some significant ratings records this year. College football is in as good a place as it's been. In it. So what's the moral of the story here? We like football. Unless it's in the spring. <laughs> we like football. And then the next step down is baseball, basketball. And then the next step down after that, what, NASCAR? And hockey. Hockey. Yeah. Soccer. Yeah, people forget NASCAR still gets pretty good ratings. It's better than that F1. Hey, Kyle, I'm going to go out on a limb. I, I know who's going to win the first F1 race of the year. <laughs> Who is that, Smoke? Max Verstappen. Verstappen. Yes. I mean, Doug did nail that one on Thursday. Because we asked him, Doug, could you do an F1 race? And he said, all I have to know is one one driver, Max Verstappen. I think he would rather do the 24 hours of Le Mans in an F1 race. Yeah. Do you, could Verstappen compete in, in a stock car? He's talented enough. He, like, for all the jokes aside, he's one, oh, what a close call there between Gilland and uh, Josh Berry. Um all for all intents and purposes, he's one of the most talented F1 drivers ever. It's just he dominated. Like people thought, Gordon dominated too much. He in the F1 disparity between the top and the bottom is so different. It's it's what takes a lot of it out. And NASCAR has a lot of parity, but yeah, he he could I think be a very good NASCAR driver, and he's still young enough too. Like he's. Do you think he tries it at some point? Maybe. Okay. I mean, he's basically done already everything you can do in F1, and he's only around. I think he's around my age, if not a little older. Yeah, he's already got over fifty wins. He probably he probably tries it at some point. I mean, hell, Travis Pastrana did. What well, that's X Games, but uh, still, I, Juan Pablo Montoya would be a more Malcolm in the middle's doing it. He's racing tonight, by the way. I know. So I, Frankie Muniz. I wasn't saying they were all the same. I'm saying these guys eventually all want to try NASCAR at some point. Heck, so. uh, Paul Newman tried racing. Remember, Paul Newman and uh, Rick Hendrick had a race team for a short period. Did they? Yeah. That's how the whole Slim Fast thing fell apart. And if, oh. the Slim Fast, and if the Slim Fast thing didn't fall apart, Jeff Gordon might not ever be at Hendrick. He might still be. Uh, All right. Yeah. How about that? All right. Well, we got to catch you up on what you've missed. It's time for the rewind. And we go back to hour number one. Mike Salk. Weekdays, morning drive in ESPN Seattle, talking all things Seahawks and Mariners and everything else. Here's Mike Salk on what an ideal trade for wide receiver D.K. Metcalf would look like for Seattle. And trading D.K. Metcalf would give them some of those resources. If they couldn't get back at least a first-round pick, if not a whole lot more than that, you know, I don't think that you go through with that. You just, you know, make do. But I just, I'm just one of those guys who's not... I don't believe in, in building your team with, with wide receiver being their premier position that everything is kind of built around. I don't think most of the teams that are built that way end up winning the Super Bowl. So if it's me, I'd rather kind of rejigger the way my team is built and try to get bigger and better on the offense and defensive line. And if I have to sacrifice a little bit at receiver, so be it. And, and there are some Panthers fans today. I heard Bone and, and Flounder play that this morning on the Mac and Bone show, Sans Mac. You know, fans saying, well, you know, his contract, he's only got, what, two years left, I believe? And, you know, how strong are his ties to Canales? Why would the Panthers give up what it would take to get him here, knowing that 
you know, they might not be able to keep him long term. And, and I get it. I mean, he's got next year and the year after that left on his deal. Uh, he's not a cheap player. Uh, some folks are interested. Some aren't. But, you know, if they want a first round pick, if it has to be a first round pick, well, Carolina's out. If you could convince them that 33 is basically the same thing as a first round pick, then, you know, maybe you're back in. Later in the show, Hunter Bailey covers the Hornets for the Post and the 49ers for the Observer. Here's Hunter on why dropping the interim tag for head coach Aaron Fern was a much bigger deal than people realize. Well, Aaron told me it was a distraction, right? It's middle middle of the season. He was happy it was done, but it was a distraction. They got it out of the way. I mean, they've won three games in a row, two since, since the tag was dropped. But when it happened, he was like, Obviously, I'm happy to be the head coach of this team. He said, I don't show it necessarily emotionally, but this is where I want to be. That's why he signed through 2029. And, I mean, dropping the tag is huge for him. He gets a pay boost. His players get some stability. Any recruiting, like, this is his team now. I talked to him. Interim tag is like dating. It can end at any time. Now he's married. He's married to the job. What is he going to do with it? What changes for him? And that's what he talked about recruiting putting his mark on the program and just keeping or continuing to build. Cause I mean, he's been here as, as an assistant for quite a while later in the show, Joe Ovius triangle influencer, Ovius and Julio podcast on why NC state fans are not getting too high after beating Clemson on Saturday to further States tournament odds. I mean, it just, I, it didn't completely gut their chances, right? Like with, with, with state man, it's a game to game. Like, I've given up trying to make large proclamations about the Wolfpack. I really have. You know, earlier this season when they beat Wake Forest and, and, and at home and Kevin Keats was talking about how he was tired of this blank and he wants some respect. Nobody's talking about this team. Look at their record in the ACC. And then what they, what they do after that, right? They, they just kind of sputtered along. So I'm done making proclamations about the Wolfpack. It's a game-by-game basis for them. They got a they got a up and down Syracuse team on Tuesday at PNC Arena. And I think that's probably the frustration with state fans is that there's nothing about this Wolfpack squad year to year that separates them from the glut of teams in the ACC. That's the rewind. Look back into the show each and every day as we wrap things up. As a reminder, to get us wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, just search The Kyle Bailey Show, download and subscribe. We're going to let Smoke watch the race. We're getting out of here. We're back tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Until then, for Smoke, I'm KB. This is Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You're going to be dead in 100 years anyway. Live dangerously.